All right, Friday morning for New Zealand in America. It's two o'clock in the afternoon, Pacific Standard Time. Um, hope the week's gone well. I'm pretty excited for today's banter. Got a few things bubbling on. Um, live. We've done the math. Done the math. The math works out that this is episode 253. I finally realised I should count. So I started counting, and I realised the number's quite ex- excessively high, so you'd think I'd have the shit dialed by now. But we're going to freestyle it away. Uh, presented by brightfire.co.nz. If you're a New Zealand business, a um, whole bunch of business education, tips, tools, tricks, all the rest of it, check in there. And then uh, www.switch.stream as well. Uh, on the show today, we have um, a weapon by the name of Travis Brown from Proddex, which we're going to talk about in a sec. Uh, I've got a one-minute pitch coming up, which I'm excited for. And also, uh, Frankie Walker from Black Pineapple, the founder and uh, mixologist master guru for New Zealand. Uh, Auckland's almost out of level th- 2.5, which has been a flipping gong show, but the sounds of things. So at least you're not in month six, which I am sitting in right now in California. Um, all right, getting into guest number one, Travis Brown, uh, podcast therapy, and also the founder of Poddex. Um, welcome to the show, buddy. Rock on! Hey. I'll give you a clap. Me- I'll take the claps. Uh, That's- that's the way to start alive, right there. Cha-cha. I want to jump straight into it because I am insanely impressed. That clearly, this is a little side, little hustle, fun thing which you wanted to create and pump out. But the um, the intersection where you hit straight off the bat of so many people wanting to create shows and content, whatever, it's such a great thing that gives people an asset to make their life so much easier to create. Um, for, for starters, you're not in New Zealand. Your accent sounds very non-New Zealandish. Uh, where are you right now in the world? I'm in Aurora, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago, also known as the home of Wayne and Garth. If you've ever seen Wayne's World, okay, yes, yeah. yes, very cool. Yeah. Um, and I will also say the, the the call to action of how you got the cool content on Facebook. You, it then went straight into it, created it out. And when it arrived, the amount of detailing for each different touch point for the customer experience for opening these 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 pod decks was very impressive. So well done, my friend. Thank you. Um, for for those who don't know what a pod deck is, uh, please describe it. Because sure. So right. pod decks are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts for any type of content creator, whether you're a podcaster, YouTuber. Uh, tw- going on Twitch gaming. So they're decks of cards that have unique interview questions on them. So all you have to do is literally shuffle up, pull a card, and you can ask your audience questions. You can ask your guests, co-host questions, and they're going to incite these really fun, meaningful conversations. They're going to create really great content that's super sticky. So if you're struggling with podcasting and you just don't know what to ask your guests, you can you know, break these out and plan your episode. You can uh, just pull them randomly, make it a game. I go live all the time with these, and I get so much engagement, and so many people just ask me, like, when are you going to come back live and ask the questions again? So it's really a lot of fun. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And um, for those that aren't aware as well, you've obviously the um, fan of podcast therapy and stuff too. You live and uh, breathe in the world of audio. Why? I am, yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh, because uh, I am a, I'll just say a washed up musician. So I was a touring musician <laughs> for my uh, entire life uh, since I was 15 years old. And I toured with uh, the Warp Tour and, and was in a punk rock band. And 
when you're in a band, the first thing you need to do is figure out how can I record my own music? So I don't have to spend all this money on a huge producer at a studio time. So I learned how to do audio and then I toured the country and made records and did all the things that I ever wanted to do. And one day I woke up and I said, okay, I think it's time to grow up a little bit. So I got a big boy job and I would drive my little car to my big boy job every day. And I started listening to podcasts and I was like, oh, this is great. I love this. It's so much better than radio and it's so much more authentic. And I started to think like, hey, I know how to make audio. Maybe I could help other people make great podcasts, which led me to launching over a hundred podcasts for clients and my own podcasts. And, and now I'm just here out here trying to help as many people start, grow, monetize, and just dominate podcasting because it's like the best, one of the best mediums that you can do. So, um, it's just something that I kind of pivoted to and, uh, I've got a big mouth. So podcasting works for me and, uh, I like meeting new people and connecting. So it's, it's all good. I think the universe took me exactly where I was supposed to be. The rise of audio, it's been around for a minute, but what I've been finding super interesting is the way customer behavior and human lives have morphed and shifted around time with audio, like with where people actually use it and the new routines of, of, of content consumption. Um, and even just recently, I was watching the, um, uh, or reading a bit of article about the digging of the, the Rogan Spotify deal as well. Yeah. I've just, it felt like we... Like, where do you feel the world of actual podcasting is right now? Because obviously he's the one, but also he's at to almost episode 2000, me doing it forever, yada, yada, yada. Um, yep. Not that he's the the unicorn of podcasts. Um, how do you see the the world of podcasting at the moment at a, at a macro level from someone like little old New, New Zealand? Like, Yeah, so podcasting where's just the, where hit. the industry is going right now? So po- podcasting is is really just about to like absolutely explode. We just hit a million podcasts on Apple podcast uh, a little bit earlier this year. And that has really solidified that podcasting is a medium that people want to consume. So it's drawing more creators. Once the whole world shut down, everybody, every celebrity, every actor, every musician had to start a podcast because it's the only way to reach people. So because it's becoming so wildly popular, more people are accessing it because there was a long time where people didn't really know what a podcast was. So now people know that they can do it because they've been doing things like lives and things. They have microphones and video and they're more comfortable in that environment. And now, I mean, we have, we're so busy these days that audio is one of the best ways to consume content because it's frictionless. I can walk my dog. I can actually, I don't have a dog, but I can lift weights or I can, you know, do other things. I can paint or do whatever while I'm listening to a podcast and being entertained. So it's more accepted, I think, now than ever before. And we're going to see in the next five years, every brand is going to have a podcast. And I think every person is essentially going to have some form of outlet where they have a voice out to the world. I just did a, um, a post yesterday on LinkedIn talking about one of the greatest things, I think, with the medium of, like I watched The Social Dilemma. And it yeah. was really interesting thinking about how the consumer behavior changes of humans are actually getting you know, disconnected and addiction and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the audio of podcasts felt for me different because, you know, I've been watching a few of these um, Mike Tyson hotboxing things. Yeah. And my, my post basically said, I think it's great with audio because it's giving a platform where manly men 
um, are seeing some of their childhood heroes and people they look up to and respect actually having long form conversations to talk about things that they wouldn't talk about, you know, ego, relationships, um, legacy, just like deep, real shit. And I think so much of the time, um, well, in New Zealand, New Zealand's got a, had a pretty bad history around men's mental health with not being able to talk and, and suicide and, and, and stuff like that per um, ratio is not good. Okay. And I was then thinking about the greatness of, of podcasts for it is it's giving the format for long-form content consumption to give context and depth for, for people who usually would never have actually had that format before if you think about it, you know you you watch an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie you watch you have a Rambo poster on your wall you you know there's no the the attention has never had the opportunity to get in so the where I'm starting to pivot my emotion towards podcasting it feels like is it's actually opening the door for you know more content that matters does it make sense absolutely I think you hit it on the head when you said emotion because I think typically radio was like very canned and very, you know, radio guy voice. And then you got to get to the commercial. And so there wasn't really a lot of time for long form conversation where, you know, Rogan's a great example. He podcasts for three hours, right? So you have these people who are not interrupted by a commercial break, not vetted on what to say. Nothing's really off limits. And the beauty of Rogan is he knows exactly how to extract the emotional response from a guest, right? To get them to share something that is maybe not flattering, right? We're, we're, you know, we come from a background of like, everyone's pretty on TV and everything is, is polished and podcasting has kind of torn that all down. And we have a more authentic view into these people mm. and they're sharing stories that you wouldn't hear in a normal interview or on good morning America or all these kind of fakey, you know, uh, situations. Sound yeah. Yeah. Same shit. Yeah, totally. Exactly. So instead of just doing the circuit and saying the same pitch that they're doing all the time. They're sharing stories about, you know, like Mike Tyson's a great example of just like, what a deep guy that you just think mm. is this boxer guy who has no personality, but he's like super deep and has all these crazy stories that he's sharing in this format. So it makes for, you know, the beauty of podcasting really is that there's no rules. So it becomes this situation where you can have long form conversations. You could talk about anything as long as you don't have a sponsor or anybody breathing down your neck. You, you pretty much can do whatever you want. So I think that's really why it works. And then going back to emotion, it's it's a real conversation. It's not this surface level, you know, BS, you know, stuff. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I feel of it in waves when, like when influencer marketing first came along and then it was, you know, hashtag, it wasn't hashtag sponsored or hashtag whatever. It kind of, now feels like everyone that's consuming that stuff instantly knows it's fake and blur and whatever and they've kind of seen through that veil yep i feel that podcasting you almost can't hide because if you sit there for three hours you don't have you know your your seven minute segment on good morning which you're trying to get through and you yep. have to actually be you can't sustain that that um it's yeah package is probably the word it's it's more raw and real and i think and it feels like anyway humans are craving that potentially more than ever so in, in your world at the moment um what do you feel the biggest mistakes people are making when it comes to them starting their own podcasts where are they stuffing up like that you've seen because obviously a lot you know you you are helping educate people to do it you're seeing the ins and outs of it you've done a whole bunch of shit where are people stuffing up yeah so there's a couple of ways that people i think uh initially make a mistake which is just following 
the last person or, or mimicking all the other podcasts they've heard. So that's why everybody jumps straight to sort of an interview podcast and every podcast has essentially the same format. So my advice to people is to make a podcast that you want to listen to and try to, you know, expand on formats that you like, but make it your own. Now, the next problem that I see in podcasting is people basically have about a minute to catch your attention and get you into the show. So that first minute of your podcast, you really have to tell people what they're going to get in the episode, right? So if I'm going to teach you some valuable trick, I want to make sure that you know that's going to happen in the episode and you're going to want to continue to listen. Where most podcasts start off casual, some small talk and stuff like that. And if you don't hook somebody in right away, there's so many other pieces of content, TV shows, YouTube, other things to look at that you'll tend to lose people. And finally... I do think sponsorship is an issue for podcasters. Most podcasters, they're doing it for free, right? We're putting out free content. And after a while, you feel like, I'd like to make some money on this. But I don't think that sponsorship is for every podcaster. I think there's better ways to make money as a podcaster, whether that be your own products or services, whether that be like affiliate linking or uh, making like a community, like a Patreon where people can support you. Because when you have a sponsor and you come on and you say, hey, this episode is sponsored by Onnit. Go buy Onnit.com and use this code. You're basically telling somebody, hey, stop what you're doing, which is listening to me, and go do this other thing at somebody else's website. You're sort of sending people away from you. And unless you have the right amount of downloads, the money you're going to make off of a sponsor is so low that it's really not worth annoying your audience or sending them away from you. You want to create things that you can offer your audience and keep all the money. So that's my philosophy. Like, Hey, mm. if, uh, you know, if Apple wanted to sponsor my podcast, I'd probably say yes, but that's my overall philosophy is you got to get to it. Don't just copy and paste and then pause on the sponsorship and try to figure out a different way where you can offer somebody something to buy from you. How do you feel about the, um, like what percentage of podcasts do you think are leveraging video on top of it with like multi-cam audio stuff, clipping it down to little micros, which they've put onto social to different sort of spots to be more omnipresent, like the kind of macro to micro sort of hook. From most of the people that you've seen in, in, in the ecosystem at the moment, what's the sort of split of, of people that are doing it comboed with, because um, essentially with podcasts with, visuals it more like a tv show that's cut down instead of just an audio output where do you sit on that whole side of things so i think that personally what we're doing right now is the future of podcasting because it is uh, visual and it can be entertaining and you can do cool things like changing cameras and and doing things like that so i personally think that vodcasting really is the next evolution of podcasting but i'd say a very small percentage actually leverage video or have a multi-camera shoot it's really the outliers maybe the top five percent and it's not that difficult yeah. to do you need a couple of iphones and maybe one good camera and then you need you know the ability to put that all together in some format that's palatable for people to watch but we love to see faces like when you're a baby you start to look for faces if you look at a tree long enough you'll see a face it's because we're programmed as human beings to if look you're on for acid. if you're on acid you'll <laughs> you'll talk to the tree yeah I have done that actually a couple times. <laughs> so, uh, but you're you're genetically programmed to look for faces and things, and uh, so I think seeing people is very magnetic. And there's a there's a whole group of people that don't even listen to a podcast on a podcast app. They go to YouTube 
and watch a podcast. So yes. if you're not doing what you're, what we're doing right now, I think that there is a form of, of uh, a lot of people that you're actually missing out on from an audience standpoint. All I heard is that I'm doing it right. You are doing it right, my friend. Good, good chat. <laughs> um, what's your? Do you have a favorite out of these? All these. What's your favorite color that you like? That you like? I think it was what the heck the latest one? What was yeah the green? One? So uh, what the heck green. is my absolute favorite? So I have a very sardonic sense of humor. So when I launched Poddex, it was actually a complete accident. So I have a podcast editing company. I can't work with everybody because I'm selling time. So I made a yes. course to help all the people that I couldn't help personally. I said, hey, here's everything I know. You could do it yourself. And so nice. with that course, I decided I was going to take this strategy called the lumpy envelope strategy, where if you get something in the mail that's lumpy, it's the first thing you open. And if it's a surprise yes. and it's something cool, you're like super stoked. So I'm like, I'm going to send all everybody who buys this course a lumpy envelope with a deck of cards with questions to help them be better interviewers. So I launched this course. Nobody wanted it. But everybody kept asking me, what are those cards you keep talking about? So I just completely said, okay, I'm going to test this. I, I ran a small batch. I put out an ad and I sold out immediately. And from there, yeah. I completely right. pivoted. So the first two decks, the interview deck and interview yeah. deck two, are a little more safe, right? So you could ask them to a kid. You could ask them to your grandma. But the what the heck deck is where we get a little bit outside of the bounds where a guy like you or me are going to have more fun with those questions. Do you, did you write all of the questions? You, like there's a lot of, it's amazing, but um, did you come up with them all yourself? Did you have a little spreadsheet? Yes, no type thing. Like how did yes, you do it? Exactly. I have so a database thinking. of questions. Correct. Yeah. So when I was um, uh, working at Apple, so I worked at Apple computers, I sold computers, which is super easy to do because people just come in and they say, I want a computer and you go, here you go. But Apple has this process called Apple, a probe, present, probe, listen, and end with a warm welcome. So there's a process they want you to go through to create a customer experience. Well, I was ripping through all of my sales and my sales number was super high. I get called into my manager's office and he's like, hey, listen, you're you're going too fast. You need to slow it down. You need to like have more conversations. So I started to develop a list just in my notes app on my phone, what I called friend questions, just like questions yeah. that I thought would be interesting to know about people. And that's really where it all stemmed from because I started to ask people questions and then my, my interactions were taking too long and then I got fired from Apple, but <laughs> it all came back to like, I'd be at dinner parties or like meet new people. And I would just take a look at my, my, my friends questions and I ask these questions and people love to talk about themselves. So when you ask somebody awesome questions and they get to share their answers, they love you. It's like, it's like a, a magnet in your head that makes people like you. So um, it just kind of all stemmed from that. And I thought, this would be a great way to have people interact in a different way or maybe think outside of the box and just, you know, interviews can get stale. Like you're obviously very good at it, but there's some interviews I've done where it's just very surface level and safe. And I like to go yeah. out of bounds and have fun. No, I love it, man. Um, so for those that want to uh, buy it, where can they get it from? Is it poddex.com? Is it? Yeah, it's yeah, poddex.com. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. we've got five different decks right now. I've got uh, some apparel that I'm wearing right now. If you're, if you want to represent and be a podcaster. So we've got all that. And then I'm really excited to share with you that on September 30th, which is international podcast day, we are launching the Poddex mobile app. So you're going to be cool. able to That's cool. pull up the app. We've got 12 decks we're launching with that are super fun. There's all kinds of extra content in there. And if you already bought Poddex, 
like yourself, you can unlock those physical decks in the app for free. So you'll be able to take them with you. If you forget them, you know, nobody likes to walk around with a pocket full of decks. It's like, hey, what's in your pocket there, sir? Well, I've got my pod decks, right? So uh, you'll yeah. be able to have them just on your phone. And hopefully that will help people be able to have conversations everywhere they go, whether they're on a podcast or not. Love it. Uh, before you go, yeah. uh, let's go to the what the heck. What is the most embarrassing or worst thing your parents ever caught you doing? Oh, okay. So <laughs> easily, easily the little, uh, why is the yeah. door locked, Travis? Um, I'm changing. I'm changing, right? The the excuse of why is your door locked? But I've have I've I've got all kinds of great parent stories. I got um I I got in a fight once when I was about 17 and the guy beat me up really bad and I actually thought he broke my arm so I called the police and I the police came or I called an ambulance but the police came and they asked me who did this to you blah 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 and I said I made up a story I just faked the whole story because I'm not a snitch right I don't snitch yeah, snitches, snitches get snitches, snitches. Man. You, right you, yep exactly so Chicago, I'm not a snitch I know <laughs> so I said hey uh this guy approached me and we got an altercation and so basically the cops figured out who did it and I got charged with um, filing a false police report, which I had no idea as a 17 year old kid that that was even a thing. So I had to explain to my parents why I had 40 hours of community service and needed a lawyer to go to court and do all that stuff. So that was not the greatest thing to t share with my parents. I get it. I uh, appreciate your time, brother. Thanks so much. And um, love the work. The details of every touch point is is on it. My OCD kicked in and I, and I got every single bit of that. So uh, awesome. Well done. And when I'm in Chicago, we'll go down to um, Vienna's uh, beef sausages and go get a, a hot dog right there. I will take spot. you up on that. I'll show you a couple other spots too. Deal. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Rob. Take care. Later, bro. What a good bastard. Flipping. Travis Brown, flipping rad, poddex.com. If you get into the mix, check that out. I'll give him a clap. Give him a little late clap. Uh, rock and roll, one minute pitch. Oh, I'm excited. We had to we have to shift a few things around last week because someone couldn't come to the one minute pitch because they had an actual pitch. And then the good news is they won it. Ladies and gentlemen, Goss Foster, how are you, mate? I'll give you claps. Good, thank you, mate. How are you? Uh, so you were too cool to come on the show last week because you had a big pitch. <laughs> so that's great. Well done. So you've come back for redemption. What I don't even know what you're pitching or what you're doing, but you're here for the one minute pitch. So I'll give you your minute. Are you are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'll I'll I'll, I'll just put a, a timer countdown so it doesn't get too awkward. Um, <laughs> have you got a script or are you freestyling this? How 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 are you gonna uh, a little bit of both? I've got a few pointers above above you pointers. just there on my laptop. All right. Okay. Ready to go. One minute pitch. Giles Foster, three, two, one, go. Hi guys, my name's Giles. I'm the business director of InfluenceWorks. We're a social media agency driven by influencers. The world has changed forever and people's habits have evolved. With screen time reaching new heights, there has never been a better opportunity to build a brand through social media and peer-to-peer -peer recommendation. We know consumers are savvier than ever and are sick of boring, ill-fitting and ill-thought-out product placement campaigns. We breathe new life into a brand's social strategy by fostering genuine partnerships that make sense to the influencer, the brand, and the consumer, creating content that has a strategic purpose and is approached with creativity and data-led decisions. It's been three months of growth and grind for me and my business partner, and I'm proud to say we now have campaigns running in New Zealand, Australia, and the UK, and that's InfluenceWorks for a bet. 
Mate, that was, that was a 49-second pitch. i give you props on that, mate. Well, <laughs> I have to change the titles. Um, very cool. Uh, business model, clip the ticket on the back end for the partners you work with. Are they all exclusive? How does that play out? So our business model, um, we work directly with brands, and then we also work with agencies and some agencies white label us. Um, in terms of business model, transfer, transparent fee model, um, we just have a set, set percentage that we work with, and the rest of it goes to influencers and deliver um, and deliverables. So we really want to get, I guess, get the most out of the influencers as possible. And there was the new um, advertising association standards shit that came out a couple of weeks ago. Yes. In your view, just very quickly, is it good, bad, or weak, or subpar, or awesome? I think it's fantastic. It's actually, we've been doing all of those things ever anyway. I've um, never wanted to hide or sort of hide that we're running ads with influencers. I think the best way to do it is to build genuine, authentic relationships with advertising and let people know they're being, when they're being advertised to. So I'm pro, in all honesty. It will sort of, I guess, hopefully clean up the industry a little bit. And finally, last one, because I'm very passionate about this influencer space um, for a multitude of reasons, is if someone buys fake followers and signs a partnership with a brand without anyone in the middle, mm. should they, do you feel that they should be sued for fraud? I think. Oh, I went deep. I know it's the one on one minute pitch. I just, I, I know. I, 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 I think, I think, <laughs> there, I think there has to be questions raised, but there also has yes. to be due diligence done by the brand on the influencer. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. And that's what, that's what we do. It's, you know, it's all about data. It's finding out if it's correct, if the following is correct. Um, so yes, I think it's the due diligence of the brand, but also, um, the influencers also hold responsibility in having a real following and making sure that they add value to brands that they work with. Got it. Uh, website, where can they go to? What can they do? Influenceworks.co. Um, simple as that. Okay. Guys, well done on your pitch last week. Well done on the quick banter today, and I'll be seeing you soon. Sure, buddy. I'll give sure. you some claps. Would you like some claps? I'll give you some claps. And I've also, I've got, I'll give you a... Um, <laughs> see i've cracked it now i've got i've honestly flipping cracked it i i got challenged last week so that i needed some more things so um ladies and gentlemen without further ado holly bennett how are you holly i'm good how are you but also i love it i love it oh good i love um, it i've got another couple go you go Oh, no, I've got. I can't hear that. I can you hear it. Wait. No. Oh, for awesome. Oh, for awesome. And I've got. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> How good. I'm on fire. And then, and then for my American folks. Hi, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. I was too busy blocking out the haters. <laughs> um. So good. Anyway, sorry, politics. Let's get serious. Uh, Holly, uh, Holly Bennett, how's the week? Um, it's well, it's Tawikio today on Māori. So I was going to say the hoodie. Yeah. So Hoodie's represent, up. represent. Um, and then that's what I thought. Oh, as soon as I saw you, I just went straight into English. So I should say Atamaria, Morina, and then Kaitepehiakwe. So how are you? Kete pai. Um, Kete pai. Oh, very good. Pai. 
Nice, uh, lovely. We have we have less smoke here. Life is a little bit better. Uh, politics. Honestly, each week I do this, I keep just digging just a little bit more. I keep learning a few more little things. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest thing in politics that you would like to discuss, Miss Holly Bennett, on this beautiful? I program? wonder. I wonder if you heard about it back in the United States. It was the announcement that came out yesterday about the GDP numbers. No. But I did see a graph that Craig Hudson from Zero put up and the insane drop of New Zealand small businesses compared to the rest of the world. It's flipping gnarly, right? Yeah, I think that on a if we go out further from just small businesses and the economy as the whole, the announcement yesterday that our economy up to June 2020, 12.2% drop in our GDP. Jeez, I don't know what was that. Yeah. And and I'm imagining is the tourism's a massive play on that, right? And is it exports Absolutely. getting stuffed as well because the flights aren't happening? No, exports are doing no. actually okay. Um, so so stuff the most. It, it, it's definitely internal. It's definitely, again, the ragdolling between alert levels. It's the way in which at alert level three and alert level four, certain sectors cannot operate. It's sectors like events, which are entirely decimated. They have no ability to create any revenue. Um, and then it's also that flow on that um, consumers have uh, that sense of reluctance to go out and um, spend their money. So obviously that all transfers then uh, predominantly to online traffic. So you see a whole bunch of increase in certain markets, um, but decreases in, across others. And so... 12.2% GDP, like that drop in our GDP, that is a phenomenal number. It's the largest quarter drop since records began um, in the way that they do them, they calculate them, which started in 18, uh, 1987. And the sub, the, any of the subsidy stuff that was supposed to help keep things wrong, that, was that included or excluded out of that report? So that's excluded. So again, oh. the true cost is hidden because subsidies don't have only just they've all closed now so there's no ability for businesses to get any more wage subsidy and so the true cost will only start coming uh real in the next i would say um one to two months so it'll be in the next quarter that you see uh probably a whole swathe more of people going into unemployment now interesting on unemployment I had a look at an article by the staff editor, business editor, Susan Edmonds, and one of the things that stood out to me is that there has been an 80%, 80% increase in people under 24 going on to unemployment benefit. Because those first young bucks don't have the experience when they're doing all the shutdowns. And the same on that, I heard the first ones to go were minorities and women. I've seen some reports come out for that too. 80%, Jeez. 8 0. Hmm. 80% increase in people in that demographic are now unemployed. 8 0. Like, let that sink in. That's like four out of every five people in that age group lost their jobs. Gone. First to go. And I mean, that's the thing. I keep seeing the rhetoric saying, oh, well, it's not as bad as I expected bloody bad for those people 
well, we talked about in, in um, lockdown number one that the true toll of this you won't see till about three months after you come out of it because after the wage subsidies and everyone's then back in the mix, after the true mm. cost comes through, they're going to have to reset and recalibrate a bunch of these different businesses, which means dot, 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 restructure. Yeah. Um, yeah, flipping gnarly. Okay, yeah. and the, the last one I was going to actually ask you is um, does any of the – current uh parties have a documented strategy of how they plan to get get out of it in terms of navigating the lockdowns because i've roadmap, seen right the roadmap the, the, this is what we yeah. discussed last week yeah. and i said still? hopefully and then nope so nothing and my priority right now is that you still have a government so a government governs they have ministers that make decisions for the country spend taxpayers dollars and they set policy and so we still have a government for another four, well, you know, up until the election. But even if there's no clear winner on the election, they still keep governing. We don't, we're not, we don't become like a, a country with no government. And so, again, seven days, no, I haven't seen a roadmap. And um, interestingly enough, uh, from what I can see in my small patch of the world, sectors are starting to write them themselves. So I have just helped uh a, a big sector right one so they've written their own roadmap because in the yep. absence of government doing it then private sector needs to go okay well we we are getting nothing so we're going to do it ourselves and uh, you know um i think that's gonna that's gonna have to start happening and happening quickly uh because yeah. sitting there waiting to be told what's going to happen it's untenable now we need to see what's going to happen so that we can get more certainty and make better decisions um, and, you know, sort of start to take some of back some of the direction because, you know, I'm not seeing anything and what else are we supposed to do? Yep. I put a little post up thing and it was the photo of the little stop go traffic like mm. dude. And it was just saying, you know, is it truly sustainable for the economy financially, but also for the long-term mental health? If um, like round one, everyone was on the same page, uh, you know, for round two, it feels like a few people are starting to question the the game plan of the, of, of the captain, right? And yeah. um, one of the feedback back was like, well, they haven't actually said what the game plan is. So people just like stuff this. And I'm, I'm interested because in, obviously I don't know politics as, as, as well as yourself, but it feels like there's an internal tension of, of we have to focus on winning this thing and then whatever, or actually upfronting it. And is it, that's might be a risk, right? Um, well, how do you think, uh, do you I think personally... I personally think the best game plan that any party can do for an election is tell us how the heck we're going to get out of this and how we're going yes. to then have our economy go forward. Because th to me, that that's the thing I need to see. And so you've got three parties in government right now, and I, I want to know what it is that they think, whether that's just their political yeah. policy, but they still have the power as government to do it. They have a cabinet. They can make decisions. They have officials. You know, our public sector makes up 30% of our economy. All of these people are still employed predominantly and they all are still on full pay. So get the work done so that private sector actually has some clarity. But as I said to you, private sector now, in my view, is smart if you sit down and you you create your own roadmap and then you give it to the government. Because in the absence of anything, what's going to happen? Yeah. Well, I think the the comms and leadership for how we're going to go through level one was unified having zero comms from anyone with how we're going to get out of it is now just starting to cause frustration. But um, uh, Holly, appreciate your time as per usual. Would you like, um, a I'll give you a Guatemala. Not in Guatemala now, Dr. Lopata. If you'd like. And then I've also got um, 
A come on. I'll give you a come on. Come on. Awesome. Thank you, Holly. Love your work. Kia pai. Kia Have a good day. See you soon. Holly Bennett, flipping weapon, as per usual. Uh, I am 100% uh, I 100% agree with Holly. Um, you know, just tell us what, what the flipping plan is, man. You know, it's like the jo- Joker on the Dark Knight. He then talks about, you know, if I tell him I'm going to do this thing, blah, 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 no one freaks out if I tell him what the plan is. Just tell us what the flipping plan is. Um, or everyone just starts going rogue because as soon as one sector starts going YOLO on their own shit, everyone else copy-paste and next thing you know, you've got fragmented alignment with a whole bunch of heavy hitters who are taking things into their own um, into their own accounts and accords and going to do their own thing. But simultaneously, if you were the current government, you probably don't want to show too many cards um, if, in case it actually jeopardises or polarises people not to vote for you in the upcoming election. So way to go, timing of election. You've probably screwed us not being able to see um, some clear roadmaps, regardless whether it's right or wrong, that would be good. All right, next up, guest is Frankie Walker, founder of Black Pineapple. Welcome to the show. I'll, I'll bring you in with some claps as well. How are you, mate? Hey. Clap, claps. There we go. Appreciate it, brother. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, of course, man. Um, you'd reached out. We'd, I think we've got a, a, a fair few mutual acquaintances and friends, so I'll, we'll, we'll try and be nice to each other, which, which, will, make it, um, which will make it easy. How's it, how's it going? Good, thank you. So... Black pineapple. Mm. I, before actually asking, actually give a quick, give a give a quick little mini one minute pitch for black pineapple because it's a random word, but it's it, you do cool stuff. A lot of people probably know have, have seen you around before. Uh, what do you do? Yeah, so we're um, we're a drinks. Well, we were a drinks catering and experiences business. I've worked in the drinks industry for about a million years um, in the UK, and then for the last sort of fourteen in New Zealand. I used to work. For, I worked for Lion for quite a number of years and I've done sort of every job in bars you could ever imagine. And uh, the TV mix, was it mix in a minute? Was it what it was? I did, yeah, I did the, I did the mix, yeah, I did the mix on TV, kind of like food in a minute for drinks for, for yeah. five years as well, sort of teaching people how to make drinks at home. Um, and then I used to go to lots of events and it, it always struck me that the food was always amazing. The music was always brilliant. You know, you have DJs and caterers and the theming was great and the drinks were always a bit shit. So um, I set up Black Pineapple as a drink, a drinks catering business. So you want great food, hire a chef. You want great music, hire a DJ or a band. And if you want great drinks, that's what we do. Um, and that was absolutely trucking in our in our little, not so little niche, um, sort of forging out a, a way for ourselves. And then, um, and then this thing called COVID hit, of course, and lockdown number one. So what we did is we uh, we then did something that we always wanted to do but never had the time. You've probably heard a few people say that. Um, and we started to deliver our drinks to people at home. So we set up e-commerce and now we do the same epic drinks that we make for events or have been making for events for, for a couple of years now, uh, delivered directly to people at home in beautiful boxes with all the things you need to make those drinks in the comfort of your own home in your track pants if you want to. Fr- Frankie, I think the word you're looking for is pivot. You had a, you had a pivot. No, I'm not. I just refuse to use that word. I'm just going to go for diversification no. instead. But yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, pivot uh, for the for the new normal with the um, yeah, this yeah. Is unprecedented. Uh, we'll just get times. all the buzzwords in right now, Robert. <laughs> Mate, uh, um, I actually, I've got um, up here. Actually, let's talk me through the moment that you decided. 
uh, you know, just talking to Holly before, um, the events industry essentially went from 100 to zero in the space of 24 hours. I've, I had friends in the tourism industry who had a 95% revenue loss within yeah. two weeks and yeah. going from staff of 140 to eight. And so yep. the type of impact for that type of thing, you know, essentially I'm imagining you, you, your business with the, the events and catering side was all project based, f- calendared out, very yeah. predictable to some degree, right? And then instantly having to flip it on its head. What was the the tipping point that knew you had a point of difference? Was the fact of the concoctions, the way you did it? Like what was that, that sort of the headspace of going through that? Yeah, I mean, all of the things that you've just discussed, right? So... We were, we were in 500% growth going into end of March and about to have, about to have our biggest month since we started. Um, and we, you know, we lost 17 events. Uh, we, we, were, we focus on big events and big events take ages to plan. So a typical lead time for our event would be sort of two to three months. We're talking like, we specialize in like three, four, 500, 1,000, 1,500. Oh, wow. You know, that's kind of where we play. So those things don't happen straight away. You know, the, the, the pipeline's quite long. And we lost, um, yeah, we lost, I mean, we, we lost all 17 of those events. They've, most, oh, they've, mostly, been, they've mostly been postponed. And there is a real willingness for, um, for the industry to come back. There's just no opportunity in the current, um, you know, 2.5 is like the worst possible scenario for both e-commerce and for events, we're in a we're in a, like a quite a real. I'd rather it, for the business any level apart from this, I can kind of turn some more levers. But um, mm. yeah, it's pretty tough, man. Like uh, we, you know, we're talking about sort of two hundred to a quarter of a million dollars worth of events just like that. And I've got, you know, I've got premises and vehicles and staff and fixed costs don't change. So um, you know, subsidies are awesome, but it doesn't doesn't pay my doesn't pay my rent and it doesn't pay my lights and it doesn't pay for my my storage and all the rest of the stuff that we have to be able to offer what we offer. So if you want to know what the, t- the the turning point was, the turning point for doing something new was having absolutely no money coming in and having a responsibility of a, of a core team who've worked for us for a couple of years now. Um, and just, you know, it, uh, what is it? Invention is the um, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Like we just had yeah. to do something. And if we hadn't uh, genuinely sitting in 2.5 right now, uh, I don't think we'd have a business, to be honest. If we hadn't done what we what we did, um, I really feel for bars. I really feel for our colleagues um, who are running food catering businesses. Um, you know, if you don't have if you don't have another outlet and stream right now, I just like like I say, I don't think we'd be here. So that's mm. the that's the reality of it, you know. And I think the the good part in that is the experience of all the stuff you've had within it has enabled you to almost like productize um, your creativity in a business model that is kind of um, sustainable and, and scalable going going SaaS, right? Um, so I'm just going to bring up your little, uh, here you go. Here you go. So this is the, the website. Actually, we've, actually, we've updated that front page, Robert. You must have grabbed that last night. We we're just developing it. But anyway, that's all good. No worries. Um, so then basically people will... Um, scope it, get it delivered fully to them, and these are like in the branding and packaging. This is fucking great, right? Like, and so you set, you send them all in these kind of little, like box type things. You, you do all the printing. Yeah. So um, yeah, we we turn this around in about twelve weeks um, from conception to um, you know website, e-commerce branding. It's basically like 
Um, it's it's New, New Zealand's only fresh cocktail delivery service. There's other people who put stuff in a box, but like we're juicing limes, juicing pineapples, making bespoke syrups, infusions, teas. Our, we have expert bartenders who work with us. So, you know, we, we make, create, um, bottle, and then, and then deliver fresh every week. We have some options as well, um, you know, like spirit and mixer packages with all the kit and the glassware. We're not a liquor store. Um, we're not interested in selling you a bottle. We'll sell you all the things and send you all the things you need to be able to recreate something epic in your home. Yeah. And you can subscribe as well, a bit like a boozy My Food Bag or Whoop. So if you really want, you really want the magic in your household every week or fortnightly, you can subscribe. The drinks change every week. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of our vibe, you know, like using our, the expertise that we have and the skill that we have to then create something absolutely banging um, to, uh, direct to you at home. Is there any um, sort of synced up crossover experience by taking these uh, packages for a custom sort of night or a time or a day and actually doing these kind of like live unboxing show and tell yeah, communities type stuff. Like we were looking, at, we were doing some stuff with the um, the Aotearoa Whiskey Club at the moment, and looking around the world, there seems to be kind of a bit of a, um, a interest when it comes to you know live experience in, in real time. Have you started like crossing over like productization in the real world on social? Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's absolutely an avenue we're looking at, and we've um, we've had a few inquiries on that as well. Mm. So uh, we're working with a corporate at the moment who want to do exactly that. We send out kits to people. We, we host an online tasting that's interactive. Uh, we teach people some skills. And that's an area that we'll just, um, we'll continue to add some stuff in that space. Cause, and, and definitely whiskey. Um, you know, I, we need to get like booklets and pencils and tasting notes and Glencairn glasses mm -hmm. and, and, you know, little and pipettes and all the stuff and send that out and then do tutor tastings. But yeah, we're, we're, we're um, it's a space we're absolutely in already and we'll continue to grow. And I think the good thing, the advantage is, you know, when everyone else can compete on, it's kind of democratized through technology and time. It always comes down to that third tier, which is the talent, you know, you know, the space, you know, the people, you've got the creativity, you've got the brand, you've got the, the judge to be able to do the whole thing out. So it kind of does give you a bit of a um, competitive advantage within it. Cause we, yeah, we've been, going to be doing some similar stuff with the, the whole whiskey sides with the club um it's really interesting the momentum of being like forced creativity to, to pivot not pivot but by survival almost right like commercial survival of these are our assets these are the rules of say 2.5 of what we have to play in what moves can we actually do and and do, are you finding it tough mentally navigating of like okay if we go to this this means these are my rule books of what i can do commercially if we go down this is what i can do like how are you balancing i guess as a business owner the strategy of commercial operations on a day-to-day -day basis if we i kind of feel like we're living in a yo-yo economy of stop go yeah you're you're absolutely on the money like that is that's my experience. I uh, managed to take a few days off a couple of weeks ago and go up north with my wife, which was awesome. And I came back and um, we had an announcement that we were staying in 2.5. And it was just like, my experience was just like, here we go again. Like I've got to climb another hill. You know, it just feels, and, I, and each, each change throws up new challenges. So Apart from getting a bit sad about it for a couple of days, uh, what I did last week is I sat down and just, I literally, to, to exactly what you're talking about, I mapped out all the possible scenarios 
level two, 2.5, three, um, four and one. Four and one are like quite easy to map for us. And then I put the two, the two parts of the business and then I just sat down and thought through what's happening with people, like what's the vibe for each of those, um, for each of those stages um, for both parts of the business. And then I started to map into there what our, what our uh, responses could be and then I prioritized them into what would be the most effective. And because and, what I found is that, you know, you, we've, been quite, we've been quite reactive. It's like something happens, I get kind of down and upset, then I make a plan and we bounce out of it. And it's like, it's in terms of trying to make something sustainable and then also having like a marketing and comms plan and a, a digital communications plan and an e-commerce plan and an event response. And, and they, people are, you know, people want to do events as well. Like there's the e-commerce for then the events. People are going, cool, well, what happens if it goes to 2.5? So you need policies that deal with the different scenarios, right? So. I just kind of started to map all that out, which we've now done. And, and I, you know, now, now my response will be, as things change, I go back to that and go, what did I already decide? Yep. <laughs> I mean, you can change it, but what did we already decide we're going to do? What are our three priorities? And then, it's, and then we have the, you know, the back of house, the documentation, the e-commerce, the digital plan, the, the, and the content and everything else. We need all the assets to be able to very nimbly go right. This is, this is what we're going to do. And, and in that way, I can also get all of our third-party agencies and my staff, my team, everybody on the same page so we know, right, this is where we move. Because you, yep. it, it you know, it's a rapidly changing scenario, right? So, yeah, that was, that's kind of been our response. No, I, I get it. Um, before we boost, I was going to ask you, when – You've pivoted an events business into essentially a, a, a SaaS boutique sort of cool thing like what you're doing. When you think about assets that you've actually got, has there been any sort of thought within the business of there's this kind of term of like hyper-local resilience and showcasing of New Zealand for New Zealanders, back your local, get in your backyard type shit. Um, you know, like productizing regions best, you know, parts of you know food and beverage or whatever to actually brand that as um potential like localized products so say if you know you know that kiwi fruit are going to be amazing and from the mount at this sort of time are you looking to do collabs with local other producers and growers and kind of showcase regions and stuff as well so you can kind of use the same infrastructure but to kind of showcase more of, of new zealand for new zealanders on a local level uh we haven't um we haven't gone as far as to kind of think that, do you know what? No, mm. we've got some stuff coming up where we're, we're, we're doing some stuff with like, with some local producers okay. um, yeah, nice. and, and, and um, I've actually got a proposal I wrote last night, which is going to involve a couple of very local people just to celebrate right on our doorstep. But I think it's a wicked idea, you know, like we, um, we base all our drinks around what is absolutely in peak and in season. And I think, I think like reaching out to the Hawks Bay or Otago or other regions could be a really wicked idea. So I will write that down and oh, steal. Man, totally. No, no, yeah. don't know. It's, you don't, it's not theft. It's called inspiration. So you get inspired. No, but I, I do feel that, you know, when you think of these regions, each different spot has their own thing, which they've got really good. They've got their own assets, but there's no other distribution outlet for it. And for them, they get a chance to showcase, get highlighted, and then you get the distribution, and then it's local spawn local. But um, no, Mega, mate, when I'm back, let's have a whiskey or two. Let's flip and dram it up. I'll be hyped. And we'll, we'll turn on the camera and just go to town. If my, if my, um, 
if my internet lasted all the way down into the warehousing, I'd show you our whiskey collection, Robert, and you'd oh. um, you'd get it, you'd get excited, man. Oh, you've got me hyped. Shit, yeah. Um, so people want to go. We got some good stuff here at Black Pineapple HQ. I tell you. Uh, if they want to go check out the website, uh, where can they go to? What can they do? Yep. So uh, just www.blackpineapple.co.nz um, and you'll see you'll land on the e-commerce site, but you can easily go through to the events side as well. Um, you didn't ask me why we call Black Pineapple, my friend. I, I was going to start with that, but it's too cliche. So let's finish with that. Why are you called Black Pineapple, my friend? I'm glad you asked. Thanks so much for asking. Oh, so I, um, no, no problem. I, I'm, well, I'm well prepared. So the, the pineapple is the international symbol of what? That's my question to you. So, so, and to help you, there's a pineapple on top of the Wimbledon trophy and also on the very top of the Webb Ellis Cup. But why would that be? the winners go get on, on the piss in Jamaica? I don't know. <laughs> so, so the pineapple is the international symbol of hospitality. And... Uh, and historically, it's um, it's a symbol of uh, luxury because if you if you cross someone's threshold and you bought them a pineapple, it was they were incredibly rare and precious. Um, and it it turns out that the, there's a type of pineapple from Antigua called the black pineapple, and it's reputedly the world's sweetest pineapple. So we put the two things together. It's like the sweetest type of hospitality. And now you will never forget that. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. What the hashtag on brand, Robert. Hashtag on brand. <laughs> I love your work, brother. Thanks so much for joining, man. Thanks for reaching out, and um, I wish you the best. I'll talk to you soon. Same, man. Thank you so much. Take care, of man. Of course, brother. Awesome, bro. Talk soon. All right. What a G, Frankie Walker. Uh, checking it out there uh, from Black Pineapple. Very cool. Did not know that. Uh, before we get to Cassie Roma, we have one last one-minute pitch, ladies and gentlemen. Claps coming in. Oliver Nicholson, how are you, mate? <laughs> Very good, Robert. How are you? Hey, okay. You've got your minute. I've got my timer. I'm very excited. Uh, give me one sec, and we're about to get active. Timer, <clears throat> clock, cancel. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Go on. Three, two, one. Hit me. So, essentially, we're a QR code payment system. Um, trying to close the gap between... Um, those that would normally use cash as a means to um, accept or sell their goods and services and New Zealand moving towards a cashless um, society. Uh, so it's we're trying to make the transaction as seamless as possible. So from a customer's side, you essentially scan the QR code, prompts you the payment screen, and you can enter the either the predetermined value or if it's a donation, you can enter a value that you choose. Um, from the vendor's side, um, they've got access to live feed of their transactions, um, their dashboard, analytics, um, their account that they set up with us, some of their settings. And um, we're, what we're trying to do is make that um, transfer as, as efficient as possible. Minute Did I fail? Uh, you, you, well, you kind of failed because you didn't say what the name of your company was. <laughs> well, it's because I don't have a live URL yet. I've got nowhere for them to go, but it's called OliPay. OliPay. Okay, cool. How does it, how does it uh, make money? Uh, it makes money on... Um, you know what? 
we haven't decided how that's going to work yet. We're looking so at a subscription model. Yeah. Okay, for the for the for the retailers. Um, we need to test the product on charity or non non profits, buskers, and food stalls—the ones that are really missing out at the moment. Um, okay. So we can figure out uh, what where it adds value, what their real pain points are, and how we can um, how we can tailor it to 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 them. I think going into retail is a much a big step, and it's going to require a lot more from our side. Um, right now, we've got an MVP, and that's about it. Okay. Well, at least you're, you're making something, you're getting, getting out there in the mix. Um, the case, the visual case studies offer, if you're starting not at big retail, will probably be uh, pretty cool to be able to sort of showcase, especially for a lot of those smaller crews, especially charities and stuff. So um, mm. it's mega. So when the website comes up, send me a link. We'll get it out there. Um, mm. let, let people know about it. But I uh, appreciate sure. you popping in, bro. Thanks so much. Thanks for it. Cheers, man. Ciao, bro. All right. One minute pitch. Uh, all done, Dust. Uh, we'll start with claps. We'll give uh, Cassie, we'll give her O for awesome. We'll give her not in Guatemala now. And we'll give her, oh, come on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Cassie, how are you? Again, box of fluffy ducks, my friend. How are you? Uh, are you, you, you don't look like you're about to go for a run for a half marathon, but how did it go? Um, it got canceled because we're in Auckland. Well, what? not canceled. We, yeah, it was the Rotorua marathon supposed to be next weekend, but, but because we live in Auckland, uh, we're not allowed to travel. run it. We can travel, but we are not allowed to run in the event because of the way that Auckland sits. It's a weird thing. There's been a I'm whole so lot of talk about it. Seem upset. Okay. <laughs> I'm not so upset. I'm just like, I trained so hard, Rebecca. <laughs> It's like, where's the climax? Where's the end point? Where's the, you know, where's the hill? I have come all the way to the, you know, the peak. Ah. Why don't you put a, um, a a message up to all, get the database of all those that were going to go do the Rotorua run in Auckland and go do your own one. Well, it Take still that. defeats, it still defeats the levels, but uh, my girlfriend and I, who were going to run it together, we're going to, we're going to do a little dry run on the weekend and just call go. it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, Cassie Roma, uh, last seven days, what's been bubbling? What's the biggest thing that's been on your mind that you would like to discuss? I think the last seven days, hmm, one of the biggest things that I mentioned, that I noticed this week um, was a real positive one, Rebet. And I know we talk oh, a lot about, on. oh, I know it was, I know we talk a lot about brands, you know, working through the moment and um, yes. matching the moment that we're in. And I thought this week, New Zealand did a bloody good job across the board at taking Tawiki Otereo Maui and mm. applying it to business and advertising and social media and contextual media Products. without without trying to sell shit off the top of it. Um, I know it's been probably four or five years since brands have really started rolling into it, but it felt like this year um, businesses internally did some really cool stuff externally they made like they just made the AO show up everywhere and it felt good um mm. so i hope this and, continues and did it feel good because you knew they were genuinely doing it to support culture not for commerce's sake yes i think that was the difference i think in the last difference. four yes oh, i think in the it. last yep. four or five years it has felt like 
we are jumping on a bandwagon because it is a bandwagon. And this year it felt like, ah, we've done this enough. We know what, what is the right way to do it. Uh, Bunnings did, you know, the Bunnings warehouse commercials where they just basically say, and this week we're going to sell this and this, but they have a team member do the ad this week. It was all in today. And it was so cool. cool. It was, and it was just a simple tweak, right? It was, it was awesome. But but I think the interesting bit to it from a brand's perspective is instead of drilling down to activate because it's cool is drilling down to activate because they care and it's cool. And because it's important culturally to your people who work for Mm. you. And that was one of the things I noticed was internally at a lot of the clients I've been working with, like it's a full all year round thing. Now there's, um, today courses going on. All of the signs are in English and in today Maori. Um, there's pronunciation classes for people like me who weren't born here, um, or people who were born here and and need to work on the pronunciation. Um, and it's, it's an ongoing piece. So this year it didn't feel like a huge spike. It just felt like a really nice wave to to take part. It wasn't a campaign. There's a difference, right? Like it feels, it's not like a, Hey, this week we've got a, you know, like in the NFL, sometimes it'll be a bit cliche. Like they'll have, you know, this game, we're going to wear a pink band. And then next week we're going (laughs) to wear a blue scarf. And, you know, it just kind of feels like they turn up for work. They have to, we, you know, this is the campaign of the day type shit. And it doesn't actually feel like there's substance underneath it. Um, But it's weirdly enough when the things that really matter do, it causes a lot of problems because it matters and people have genuine feelings about those things. So, what you're saying is you're actually very proud of New Zealand business over this last seven days for genuinely accepting and bringing on and embracing and encouraging uh, Te Reo in the workplace uh, and for commerce, um, but not just because it's cool, but because they care. Yeah. And then even diving deeper, right? Because you can go online, you can get all the toolkits and be a really cool supporter. But I know um, one of the agencies I'm working with right now, they had all Te Reo Māori music on the radio the whole week. Um, so like, it was just cool. You heard it in the music. Some you see it when you go around to get your car. There was definitely some poirier. <laughs> Throwing down some poirier. Yeah. Yeah. There was some Anika Moa and there's songs for Bubba's. There was, you know, yeah. <laughs> you name it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That, that makes, um, it's warm fuzzies for the right reason. It's like marketing that's been done for the right reason instead of marketing being done for blah. That's cool. And you could tell that it had been thought about this year instead of somebody chasing their tail to go, oh shit, next week is Tawiki o Te Reo Māori. They went like long time ago, They in like March or February when they were booking their placements went, ah, we need to get this sorted. We need to have this translated. It needs to feel right. It needs to be, you know, yeah. real. It, and it, they did a great job. Well done, New Zealand. That's awesome. Yeah. Well done, New Zealand. Yeah. Um, what else? Any? Have you seen the Social Dilemma Netflix documentary yet? Oh, we, we need to have some whiskey or gin and talk about this one. I have seen it. Um, I didn't learn anything I didn't already know. However, because they melded the fictional storyline and narrative with the documentary, and I don't know if it was just because of the timing, um, I've taken everything off my phone. I know you and I've talked about this Ooh. personally before. It's all off. It's all off my phone. I was spending five and a half hours a day on my phone and over three and a half hours on Instagram alone. And it was just not it. Mm -hmm. Granted, a lot of that time was also creating content for clients. Um, But taking it off of my phone. Yeah. Consumption um, is different to creation. You are created. True. But most people consume. 
So just yeah. to be clear, you've joined the party and you've deleted social off your phone. It's gone. It's gone. And I would, well if done. my family were not in the States right now, everything would be gone. Um, and I like well, Facebook memories. Yeah. yeah. No, I did. We don't need it. I don't miss it. Um, the first two days I kept picking up my phone um, because with the Apple iPhone, you can see how many times you pick up your phone a day. I was picking up my phone 298 times a day on average, right? Yes. And yesterday it was 66. So 298 to 66. And I took them all off on Monday, Rebette, and spent all of Monday morning with one of my good friends and her little girl. And it was one of the best mornings I've had probably in years because I was there. I didn't care where yeah. my phone was. It was so good, man. So good. I I still haven't um I still don't take my phone into the bedroom with me at night. Nah. So a couple months now. Um don't nah. do that. No notifications. I've got no nope. the irony of I'm I'm so pro content which goes on social yet I'm don't have I still don't have it on my phone. I uh, don't have no. any I do have Messenger because people mess I, I message to like um I'll do face calls and stuff with with friends but yeah, the, yeah. do you think it's starting a wave of do you think this is the start of something like will we stay like this do you think what do you feel I think for me what it's done is it's opened up a lot of conversations not just with my friends but with my teenage daughter and her friends and it's opened up the, hey, this is this is behavioral science behind what's going on and how we are being commoditized. And, you know, when you go, okay, I've been on my phone for six hours on average a day, and you go, I don't have enough time to write my second book type thing. And you're like, actually, mm. if you took even half of that and you spent it just being aware and creating. And, dude, my productivity this week has been, you know, it's been off the chain. It's been fantastic. And I feel much more confident in myself i feel like the wheels are moving i feel focused mm. but i guess when you're not picking your phone up 390 odd times a day that happens that's very cool uh, we can keep checking back in on this to see who cracks first me or you who who gets social back back on um no my mine was just more um focus and i'd rather create than can, can then consume um and i, I, I think i put I think the kind of content that you create, though, too, Robert, and we're we're similar like this. Is it stuff that that you'd like to see or that you would find as um, valuable? So it's not just beige bullshit being thrown out into the ether. Um, at least that's well, I what I, I feel. Yeah, I do feel that if it's posting, I've probably always maybe you know I always say you know if you're not adding value, subtract yourself. But what I have felt a bit more recently is, you know, when you get to talk to a lot of different people, you get different insights. But then mm -hmm. it's not that you take a stance on things, but you can ask questions publicly. Yes. You know? Yes. Questions like, hey, like, let's talk about this. Like, whether it's right or wrong or, or whatever, you know, the, the more you learn, the more the more you know, the more you listen. Um, the social feedback loop, I would rather have consumed around I ideas and momentum and progress instead mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. back or forth bullshit with what how dope these new – you know, Yeezys are um, to cut yeah. that fire. Like I just, I, I, maybe it's the type of content we're consuming, not necessarily um, the fact that it is con content. Maybe it's. Well, I, I don't yeah. think there's, um, I think that it's, it's probably makes sense that like the Kardashian era and the social media era are all coming together in um, this conglomeration of traditional media and social media and digital online. I loved what your guest earlier said about podcasts and about, creating something that you would like to listen to and that you feel would be really interesting instead of 
copy paste and a lot of social media these days yep. is copy paste. I went on Instagram just on my browser actually earlier while you and Holly were talking. Um, and yeah, there's stuff on there unless it was my nieces or a good friend. Do you think it's the overarching crave that people are realizing that that's not actually real and there's, there's more, like, do you feel the tide is turning or are we just drinking the Kool-Aid because we've just seen the doco? Maybe a bit of both. I mean, yeah. uh, that's a hard one. I think a lot of folks out there probably who don't do the kind of work that we do don't realize just mm. how commoditized their attention is. And maybe it takes moments like 2020 or losing somebody love or just being in a moment of humanity um, mm. where you realize that time is all we've got. Um, you know, we sit, we sit here at home, the three of us, especially during lockdown in my family, to take time off of our screens and to just hug each other. We do like living room dance parties three times a day. And those are so much what? more memorable than any post. Dude, it's the best thing you can have. You've got two daughters, dude, do it. It's the best thing. Well, we, living room uh, dance party. Well, yeah, but you got a teenage daughter. I got like a, I got a three-year-old and <laughs> now a three-year-old and an eighteen-month-old. Like we're just still on some baby shark. I, I, I mix up to some dubstep baby shark. I miss what we've been doing it since Chelsea was that age. Like it's been a thing. It's been part of her growth. Oh, has been living room dance party. I, I can, yeah, I can guarantee you that there's probably maybe two other families in New Zealand who have living room dance parties with their teenage daughters. Uh, in twenty in in twenty twenty three times a day. She's that, gonna that, kill me. She's gonna kill me. She's actually what, gonna kill me. What's your latest banger? Like when you when you jump on, like what what do you throw down? Like what's the what's the what's the one track banger that you just bump? This is gonna age me. We are listening to a lot of um, Ricky Martin's new release. <laughs> so there's oh, a song called Kaideuna, 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 and it's like. <laughs> oh, Our neighbors are Mexican. They like turn it up too. We're like yeah. Really? Yeah, my wife's Mexican. Maybe We're... I need it. Send me, send me the track. I would love to play it now, but I might get sued. Um, oh, you get, yeah, yeah. Enrique uh, Martin, we have a question. I do. Uh, well, I think we've got a hater. That, a hater? Oh, no, it's a, it's a troll. We've got a troll. Uh, Nugan is a troll saying, um, I see you really want to die in poor conditions. Why you just always talk about the government always? Why can't you just help yourself by investing in 24 hours, you profited through blockchain app. Oh, wow. Okay. Blockchain. Here we go. And here we unlocked. go. Okay. Uh, See, here's the thing about you social, can, right? Yeah. You, you, you don't off. need trolls. Yeah. You don't need trolls. We don't need trolls. I ain't got time for that. Actually, I've got the perfect one for it. Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. I was too busy blocking out the haters. <laughs> 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 that, that was perfect. Work, oh, I'll do give you claps. Be good. Be well. I'll see you see soon. See you, my friend. Oh, we got we got some real some live trolls. Thanks, trolls. I appreciate the um the banter. Appreciate the um appreciate you taking time to make uh oh, push play. There we go. Yeah, appreciate the time uh, you wasting your time uh, consuming me to try and give me shit as if I actually care. Do not care. Not about you, but everyone else. Uh, and I will not be checking that out. But uh, thanks, though. Hey, really appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, cool show today. We've got some new music playing to, to, to outro us out. So we've been, we've gone 11 minutes over today, um, but we had some great guests. Travis Bound from uh, Poddex. We had uh, Holly talking about some cool politics stuff. Cassie, 
had Frankie Walker from uh, Pineapple, uh, Black Pineapple, uh, which was cool. And enjoy the rest of the Friday, everybody. I hope it goes A-OK and goes well. Um, yeah, be good. Be great. I'll see you soon. Adios, team. Outro music. Adios. <laughs>